All right. Uh, have you ever seen those uh, balloons? They're shaped like a heart. They're red in color. Ever seen those balloons that are red? That the red heart-shaped balloon. Okay. Now, can you imagine that? You know, my hand is like this. Okay. What do you think I'm imagining? I'm doing. I'm holding the balloon that's that's up there. And you know where the balloon actually is? It's at my house. <laughs> Yesterday I was really busy and uh, getting ready for today, and we had our parenting seminar in the morning, and I did a wedding in the afternoon, and, and I, I went and made a special trip all the way to the other side of town and got that balloon, and it's sitting there at my house. So you just have to imagine that it's tied up somewhere over here, and it's right behind me, because we're talking about today, we're talking about uh, check your heart. But uh, before we go that go, go there, um, I, I would like to just say again that this is our, our last uh, Sunday, our last lesson on awkward moments. It's been interrupted by awesome speak, preaching last week, John Clark, and a few weeks ago we had uh, uh, Brian and Bonnie Pugh with us. Uh, but this series, I think, has, has been very valuable for us. And there are a lot of awkward moments in, in the Bible, and we talked about awkward moments. And if you can go to the next slide there, we, we talked about the woman at the well and how Jesus made it into a message about harvest. And then uh, Jesus talked about the fact that if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any life in you. And I think that's pretty awkward. Uh, a lot of people left him at that time, in fact. We talked about these two women, that, that uh, one was the, uh, was the widow and the other one was the, the Gentile woman, and uh, it was all about prayer. Jesus talked about purity, and these lessons are all up on, these sermons are all up on our website. We talked about the sword and how that Jesus came. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And, uh, and then two weeks ago, uh, blessed or cursed, and Jesus told Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. I think that's kind of awkward to say to his friend. Uh, this week is beyond awkward. In fact, my wife isn't even sure if we should have called it awkward because it's actually taking it up a notch. And uh, I want to talk to you about your heart and mine. Uh, back in the day, there was a, a, a song that I used to really love a lot, and it, it's one of the parts of it says, All that matters in this life alone is not what you are but how much or how much you know. All the world's knowledge can make a man smart, but the difference is made in the heart. And God is after a lot of things in our lives, but he specifically is after your heart and mine. And there's, there's a warning here in the scriptures we're going to be talking about. It's, it's kind of a heavy revy. Uh, may not be a lot of fun. I like having fun when I, when I speak because I like to enjoy it because I know if I enjoy it, there's at least a chance that you'll enjoy it. But I want us to enjoy it, but I also want us to be people that are willing to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and, and, to, and to be willing to listen to the Scriptures and have our life based on something beyond just enjoyment. Anybody with me on that? You know, if, if, if that's your goal in life, I, I just have a great prediction for you. You aren't going to enjoy it all, okay? I'm just saying. And, uh, but yet we can have uh, joy in our spirit. We can have God's peace and uh, lots of blessings along the way. There's a blessing and there is a battle. 
Uh, you may know the name, and I don't even know how to say the name, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And he's a, a Russian author that was imprisoned for eight years in the Gulag. And uh, he suffered a lot. And uh, he said he was a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, and he said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. And I, I just thought that was a, a very interesting comment from him. He, uh, he had a lot of excellent, uh, lots of excellent quotes, and, and uh, he was quite a prolific author and uh, had a prophetic voice in, in Russia during those days as well. But if you have your Bible with you or your app on your phone or your tablet, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter 3, and uh, we're going to break into a portion here in verse 7. And uh, that is why, here it is here, uh, that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness. Now, he said here, that's why the Holy Spirit says, and we're going to come to it in a minute, but this is a quotation from the book of Psalms. And so he goes on to talk about this in verse 9. There, your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. And so in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter into my rest. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not want to be in that place where God's looking at me and looking at my heart and saying in his anger <laughs> that you're never going to enter into God's blessing. You're never going to enter into God's rest. And I believe that God has provision for us. God has grace for us. And we can actually, we can actually do this. We can enter into God's rest by the grace of God. And so there's some commandments here. There's some uh, challenges here right in this portion. Uh, I want to go on to the next uh, few verses here. He says in verse 12, be careful then. Be aware. Think about it. Uh, be, be, uh, be care. Take, take care. You know, a lot of times we, we, like to, uh, we like to make sure nothing bad happens to us and we take care. I think it's good for us to obey this scripture. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, and make sure. Make sure. You know what I should have done? I should have made sure I had everything when I came to church this morning, but I didn't. I forgot the balloon, the balloon heart. But make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Now, I don't want to stand here and say, you know what? You guys are just on the edge. <laughs> Y'all are just on the edge of, of having evil hearts. That's not what I'm saying. But I think you and I as individual people, we have to make sure. There's a temptation involved here that we're going to be talking about, and temptations come, and every one of us faces temptation, and a lot of temptations, 
a lot of different kinds of temptations, are actually temptations to unbelief. There's a temptation to be in a place of unbelief. Make sure, he says in verse 12, that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Have you ever... Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were farther away from God than you used to be? I, I'm, I will just say I, I have. I have found myself in a place. And, of course, you know, well, you can't be farther away from God because God is everywhere. And we can always, you know, justify this and talk about that. But you know what I'm saying, that we, it could even just be our awareness is not as close to God. We don't feel as close to God and sometimes we don't feel as filled with faith and trust and hope as much certain days than other days or certain seasons in our life. And I, I've gone through those times. I've gone through those times when even this song that we've been singing this morning what was not an easy song for me to sing. In spite of that, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to thank you, though. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Which one, she says. The song about the goodness of the Lord. And sometimes I, I have to tell you, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to unbelief about the goodness of the Lord when I'm going through difficulties and trials and, and different, different circumstances. But my impression of God doesn't change him one iota. God is good whether I feel it or not. So if someone says, well, you know, how can you praise the Lord and how can you do that when you are... are feeling those doubts and, and uncertainties. Because my uncertainties aren't the issue. God is the issue. How about this next verse, verse 13? You should consider thinking about... Oh, sorry, that's not what it says. Uh, it says you must. You know, we don't like being told what to do. Anybody just love it? You know, we're going through, some of us are going through freedom session, and some of you have finished freedom session. Some of you are going to be taking it, but you don't even know it yet. But uh, in freedom session last week, we learned that uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord, and that's the only way he encounters us. He doesn't come along as uh, a companion. He is a companion. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But Jesus Christ primarily and fundamentally is the Lord. That's how he encounters us. That's how he is with us. He is not our buddy. Yes, he's a wonderful friend. He is not our comforter. Yes, he can do that. But he's our Lord. And, and this scripture actually says the word must. It says you must. And then this is something that a lot of us don't even want to hear about. Warn each other. Now, I have a confession to make. I've wanted to this week, but I don't think this week I've warned anybody. I'm just saying. I'm just confessing to you my failure this week. And uh, maybe I should do something about it. But you must warn each other every day. Every day while it is still... Now, 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 wives, don't, don't just... Okay, I'm going to warn my husband every single day. <laughs> okay, that might be okay if, he's, if it's necessary, but really that's not what it's about. It's not about nagging your spouse. It's actually about... Consi- Sorry? Oh, rats, she says, yeah. But you can if I need it. 
warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. It's not about taking out the trash. But for us to warn each other, it requires something else, uh, something other than just living our own life with me and Jesus by ourselves. To have this kind of action happening every day or, you know, every day in a, in a uh, general sense is that we would be known and know someone else, have the kind of relationship where it's appropriate to actually say something to them. You know, if I go up to, like some of you I haven't spoken to, we have guests with us, and I actually, if you're new here, I forgot to to tell you how happy we are to see you. We're glad that you're here if you're new here. We have new friends. we got old friends that are, that are visiting, and we're just grateful for each one that's here. But if I come up to you, and I, I don't even know you, I've never spoken to you, and I, I start warning you and pointing my finger or whatever I'm doing, that would be really weird. Talk about a beyond awkward moment. And it's really not what we're called to do. We're not called to live in isolation. And if you came up to me, after, let's say after church, you come up to me and you warn me about something, I may or may not. Now, that is not very comfortable. We like being comfortable as Canadian Christians, don't we? But we aren't really called and to, we aren't really meant to be valuing our comfort as much as we really do. In fact, around the world, there's a lot of Christians. In fact, most Christians in the world live in a very uncomfortable environment. We are blessed here. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. And we shouldn't be, you know, sad that we're, you know, or feel guilty about it. God's blessed us to be a blessing. God's blessed us to be a blessing. This freedom is meant to be a blessing to the whole world. And frankly, if it wasn't for North American Christians that are so blessed, this world would be a lot tougher for Christians all around the world as well. Not only for Christians. You must warn each other, knowing and being known. I'd have to risk rejection if I came up to uh, Ralph and I was warning him about something. He might reject me. Am I willing to risk that? Am I willing to disobey the Scriptures because I don't want to be rejected? How are you feeling now, huh? Aren't you still, are you still glad you came this morning? God wants us to be humbly humbly giving and receiving warnings about our heart. And you might be seeing, uh, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I know I'm tempted to say that. But look at verse 12. It says, be careful then, (laughs) dear sisters and brothers, make sure that your own hearts are not evil, unbelieving, turning away from the living God. So if I'm not going to do what the Bible says, if I'm not going to do what God wants me to do, I have to, I have to look at verse 12. Be careful. Be careful. All right. Verse 14. Uh, here's a conditional promise. for If we're faithful to the end, trusting in God just as firmly as when we first believed, then we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That's some good news, some better news. Remember what it says. He's repeating that quote from the Psalms. We're going to go there in just a minute. It says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. 
And so now we're going to go to the quotation, and we're not going to read the whole psalm, but just one verse in Psalm 95. Here's the quotation that he's using in the book of Hebrews. And there it is. The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massah in the wilderness. Now, those two words are uh, additions, or they weren't quoted in the book of Hebrews, I don't think. And so now it gives you an identification of what they're actually talking about. And I have another confession to make right now before we go there. I am very sympathetic to the ones who were being rebuked. I'm very sympathetic, and I can see myself in the ones that had hard hearts. I'm just saying. And I'm working on that, and I'm pressing into the Lord, and I'm doing stuff in my own life that is is helping me keep my heart soft and not hard. But I'm tempted in this area. And you might be too. When If you thought about it, if you think about it, so you're going, you're walking through a desert and you've been poor for generations. You've got some, you've got some stuff now. You've got some money that was given to you. You just walked through the Red Sea and you went, your reward was going into the desert and you've got kids and livestock and you don't have anything to drink and you're facing dying of thirst. You're facing watching your kids die of thirst. I got sympathy for these people. But that's what the story is about. That these people that were facing this horrible death of, of, uh, of thirst, they're the ones that had the hard heart. When they were going through serious, life-threatening, horrible stuff, instead of keeping their, their hearts soft before the Lord and humble, they turned hard. And that was the issue. Exodus chapter 17. There's actually two different times when this happened, one at this time and one at the end of the Exodus. But this is where, uh, this is where the, the quote comes from uh, with regard to Meribah and Massa in the wilderness. Uh, Exodus chapter 17, here's the story. And I've got some of the quotes up there on the screen, but not all of them. I'm just going to read this whole thing to you real quick if I can. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. They left the wilderness and moved from place to place, still in desert. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, and there was no water there for the people to drink. Verse 2. So once more, once more, they had been complaining. (laughs) Man, it's hot. Oh, man, I'm so thirsty. Moses, what are you doing? Do you know where you're going? Let's go that way. No, let's go this way. Who said Moses is the boss anyway? So once more, you're not the boss of me. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Moses said, quiet. <laughs> why are you complaining against me? And what are you, why are you testing the Lord? It wasn't just, hey, I'm really hurting here. That's, a, that's, that's okay. That isn't complaining. Oh, I'm really hurting here. The complaining part was the finger pointing, and you don't know what you're doing, and neither does God, and this is horrible, and we don't like it. Do you hear the difference? 
Being hurting isn't a problem and it isn't a sin. It's not a hard heart to acknowledge the fact, this is not easy for me. I'm struggling here. That's okay. God wants to come and wants us to come to him. Verse 3, tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? Our children, our livestock with thirst? So Moses, he did the smart thing. He cried out to the Lord, verse 4, which should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. He, he was, his life was at stake here. Verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And I will stand before you. God says, I will stand before you. God is standing right in the middle of our difficulties. God is there. And when our attitude is good and when our attitude stinks, when our heart is soft and when our heart is hard, God has an answer for us because he loves us. And God stood there before them. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if anybody even saw him because God's the spirit. And some people, you know, sometimes he's, he's totally invisible. He says, I'll stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Think of it. Wow, in a desert. And the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. God was angry, but he gave them mercy. And Moses named that place that was called, uh, what was it called? Rephidim. Uh, he named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord with us or not? These are the same people that were rescued. For, that, well, first of all, they watched all the plagues happen to the Egyptians and not to them when they were in Egypt. They, went, they experienced the very first Passover. Uh, they experienced getting their, you know, borrowing stuff from their neighbors, which they weren't ever going to get back, all the gold and stuff that they used to build the tabernacle, lots of gold and other things, and they brought it all out of Egypt. They experienced walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. They experienced getting manna and quail morning and night miraculously, they, they had breakfast that day, manna, by a miracle. And they said, is the Lord here with us or not? What have you done for me lately? I'm thirsty now. I can relate to these people. It's not very nice to see your kids suffer. In our midst, we have a wonderful man named John Clark, and he wrote a book called The Inheritance, and we have a few copies uh, left in the office, and he has a few copies left available if you want to read it. But I want to, I want to read to you a, a quotation from his book. That's a long. That's that's about this very story, in his book. And he, uh, John, says this: When we we question whether God is for us or whether He is condemning us for our shortcomings, and under intense pressure, we even question whether He exists. He goes on to say this. 
He's going through times of spiritual dryness brings us closer to God in the long run because in the end we understand that God is faithful and was, was there even when we didn't perceive him. I guess, he says, this is so good, I guess we learn to trust. No one can learn this for us. We all have to learn to trust God's presence and, to care, and his, God's care by ourselves. I can't trust God for you. John can't trust God for you. You have to trust God for yourself, and I, and I have to do the same. Sometimes God accomplishes this by removing all of our human support systems so that in our loneliness we apprehend our dependence on him. Isn't that good? Pretty good. John forgot he wrote that. <laughs> Goes back a little ways. What is it, 10 years or so since that book came out? Maybe? Yeah. So why is this happening to me? We ask ourselves the question, and I got a list of really great answers, and, they, and you don't want to hear those when you ask this question. And I don't want to hear them when I ask the question, why is this happening to me? I don't want to hear the real answers. I want to just be miserable and let my heart grow cold and hard. I'm just telling you, I feel like that. Why is this happening to me? Well, it might be one of these eight things. I mean, there's eight answers that I had, and there's probably more. I woke up, what morning was it, Friday or Thursday, and I, they just came out of me from the Lord. I guess from the Lord, I hope so. Okay, it could be that you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. It could be that you're just living in a fallen world that's not redeemed yet. It could be that uh, you're not supposed to be surprised when people hate you. That's what Jesus said. They hate me, they're going to hate you. Maybe nobody hates me. Maybe that's the problem. But Jesus did say that, that people would hate you for loving me, he said. Suffering consequences of our wrong, foolish, or sinful choices. Been there. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial. It's part of life. I, I'm telling you, I get surprised almost every time. I've got to work on that. Accidents happen. The rain, natural disasters or blessings, the rain falls on the deserving and the undeserving. And suffering the consequences of other people's sinful choices or actions. So those are just some reasons of why this is happening to you. But that's not really, you know, you ask the question, why me, God? And that's not even the real question. It's not even meant to be a question. It's, God, I don't want this to ever happen to me. <laughs> I don't deserve this, and you're bad, not good. See, that's, that's, that's really more what that question often, not always, but often, means. And so what does a hard heart look like? Are you, are, are you enjoying this sermon? Isn't this good? What does a hard heart look like? Well, we become shocked and dismayed. This should never happen to us or probably anybody. We think it's God's fault. We give our life to God and then we want it back. Uh-oh. We doubt God's goodness. Goodness. We think God has abandoned us. And even we even doubt the existence of God. I know that's never happened to you. What does trust look like? This is a shorter list. Uh, trust looks like God's comfort. It looks like God's perspective on eternity, like Graham was talking about earlier today in our worship time. God's timing, God's provision. All my life you've been faithful. I look forward. I even look at my present sometimes, and I think, how is this ever going to work out? But I look at the past, 
and I see God's hand, God's hand of provision, God's hand of mercy, God's hand of goodness in my life. All my life you have been faithful, and you're not going to change. Come on. Okay, Hebrews 3 was a little bit of a downer. Hebrews 4 gets a little better. We're going to stop. Are gonna, we're going to close with Hebrews 4. talks about the, the rest. God says, I'm, I'm swearing that they'll never enter into my rest. But he, God's promise, because they didn't enter in, we still have the promise. God's promise of rest, entering into his rest, still stands. That's verse 1. Verse 2. Uh, This good news has been announced to us. There's something better for you and for me. Verse 3. Only we who believe can enter into his rest. This rest has been ready since he made the world. God's will and purpose for you and me was that we would enjoy the rest of God. the, The place of trust. The place... What did I say here? God's comfort, God's perspective, God's timing and God's provision, God's salvation, God's healing, that place of rest that was prepared and ready since he made the world. We know it's ready, verse 4, because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. Jumping down a little bit to verse 11, it says this. So, okay, so here's what we should do about this wonderful message. It's beyond awkward. Do our best. Do our best. Well, I did my best on the couch while I was watching TV during the commercials. I muted it. No, I'm talking about some passion here. I'm talking about, you know, what is that movement where you're, that's brand new to get your clothes and cupboards in order? Marie Kondo, you've heard of that? And what does she say? What does she say about that? Just get, get, think, get rid of anything that doesn't spark joy, right? You heard, you heard of that? <laughs> no, Doug says. I've only heard about it from my wife, believe me. But I want to tell you something. Today, in our, especially the way we are, it's, it's like, well, if I'm not passionate about it, I'm just not going to get involved. I want to do things that I'm passionate about. You know what the Bible says about that? Get passionate about serving God. And I want you to be passionate. I want to be passionate. I want it to happen to me that I'm just passionate about it. But the way it happens, there's a battle and there's a blessing. The way that, the way that it happens is that we get moving and the blessing will come. And the passion will come because it's worth it to serve the Lord. I want to tell you something. I'm going to start crying. But I do not regret serving the Lord all my life. I do not regret it. It hasn't always been easy. And there's been times I felt like quitting. But I want to tell you it's worth it to serve the Lord, to give your life for the well done. Let's be passionate. That, this word, do our best, uh, I think in the old King James it says, let's la- it's, it's almost like an oxymoron, let's labor to enter into God's rest. That word, do our best, is to be passionate, give your life, to make every effort, to be prompt, on time, to earnest, 
to give diligence, to be diligent, endeavor, labor, and even study and research. Come on, that's what this means. Get on it. Uh, Sorry, hang on for a second here. Can't see. Uh, Okay. Let us do our best to enter into that rest, but if we disobey God, we will fall. Feelings follow faith action. That's, that's almost something you could tweet. Feelings follow faith actions. And verse 16, I believe this is what the Bible is talking about, entering into the rest of God. Think of the privilege. Think of the honor that it is for us. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God in the presence of Jesus. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Come on, church, let's stand together. I'd like to close the service with that song. If I could ask whatever worship team members are available, please. I think we should just sing that song a few more times. And believe that God will do something in our spirits. You know, you might want you might feel like, you know, I, I want to just come to the front and, and make a declaration to myself and to God about this. You can do that if you want. If you want to kneel, if you want to just stay where you are, lift your hands. People will pray with you up at the front here. We have prayer teams today. All my life you have been faithful. Yes, Lord. And all my life so, so good, every breath that I am able, and I will say of the goodness of God, all my life, all my life have been faithful, all my life you have Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness, your goodness, your goodness is running after, running after me, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you every day. Yeah, yeah. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running.
song this morning, when I look back through the annals of time in my life, even when my heart and my face were turned from God, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. I could give up and I could say, you know, all manner of evil things because of what I'm going through. But I'm here to tell you today that no matter what you are facing, lift your eyes to the hills from whence come your help, knowing that your help comes from God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and no matter what you're going through, he will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth Israel, it says, and you can put your name in there, will neither slumber nor sleep. Every day do I wake up encouraged? No. But I know. I look through the annals of time, and I see God has been faithful. I was on the road to Winnipeg one year, and I was not saved. And the vehicle was heading in a ditch. And the person beside me woke up just in time to swerve it out. And I don't know if you guys know northern Manitoba, but we were going from northern Manitoba to southern Manitoba. And within 10 minutes, two tall men that I'm convinced were angels to this day saved us. They came and they pulled our vehicle out of the other ditch because we swerved into the other ditch. And the next year I became saved. No matter where you are in life right now, I want to encourage you. Stick to God. Stick with God. Even when you don't feel it, when you get up in the morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Regardless of what you're going through, God is faithful. Amen. Yep. Yep. Yes, Lord. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Let's give the Lord a cheer Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you, give you His favor and your laying down, your rising up, and your laughter and your tears in, in your in your every in your everyday life. Until we all come to meet him on that great day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you today.